Looking for inspiration out of the traditional places to find inspiration is really fun and always just having your eyes open to something that appeals to you is a great way to be forward thinking in terms of the way you approach design. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Britt Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. All right, you guys, you know this about me. My sleep space is very important. It's all about the right bedding, the right vibes, and maybe even a little sleepy time gummy to ensure that I can get a full eight hours or more of sleep. So I'm pretty excited today to chat with our guest who has totally disrupted the bedding industry. That's right, Ariel K is here today. She's the founder of the Instagram famous brand, Parachute Home, and I can't wait to get all of her thoughts on how we can all create a sleep sanctuary and better design our home for self-care. I'm also eager to learn all of her home decor hacks. So let's get into it. Welcome, Ariel. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here today. So Okay, let's just like dive right in. Where did your interest in interior design and home decor come from? Is that like something you were passionate about when you were younger? Were you sleeping on amazing bedding and <laughs> you just really wanted to learn about this category or what? You know, I think it really started for me um, as a love of hosting and a love of having people over, the love of creating beautiful spaces being most comfortable at home and in that, you know, entertaining zone. And so I started really thinking about home and the way that your spaces flow together and how to create intentional space. And then certainly I did have a love of sleep and comfort and being in bed. So I think my interest in spending time at home and then also quality products um, led me on this journey that ultimately started Parachute. Yeah. And how many years has it been now? And how did Parachute begin? Like, what was the initial idea that the problem sure. that you were trying to solve? So we launched a little over seven years ago in January 2014. I had been working in advertising. I had had an interior design blog that I started back in 2006. So, you know, I had been really interested in the home space. I had been helping friends and um, family members decorate their homes kind of informally, but enjoying spending their money and shopping for beautiful products. And in that experience and becoming kind of a super consumer of these products, I saw just so much room for improvement. I was ready to leave my job. I was working in advertising. I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial and it was one of those aha moments where I realized this could be the time that I could take my experience building brands and thinking about the customer and also my love for home and design and do something myself. This was also, you know, this was all coming together in 2012 when a lot of the direct-to-consumer, early direct-to-consumer businesses were gaining momentum. And that was just this new kind of shopping experience that really resonated with me personally as well. So the stars really aligned and I very impulsively decided to quit my job and figure out how to build a business, um, which was something I had never done before or even come close to doing. So 
Yeah, well, and I know from <laughs> the same experience around the same time, 2011, like how crazy it is to just be like, sweet, I'm going to quit my awesome job that pays me nicely and go be like a bootstrapped entrepreneur. So exactly. um, yeah, congrats, congrats for that. And, and to keep a business alive more than seven years is actually something that doesn't happen uh, very often, especially as a woman. So congratulations for that too. Thanks. But you, you started with betting, right? And I know it's banned so many different categories, but I'm obsessed with this idea of betting because, you know, I think we grow up in this world where it's like all about thread counts. I don't know. We never get like schooled about betting, right? So it's like, oh, Egyptian cotton, 800 thread count. You know, I I go on Amazon and I'm just like, I don't know, what's the highest thread count? Like that's the betting I should get, right? Like except for it's really super expensive, but then there's like sateen and then there's cotton and then there's silk. And I'm like, what does all of this mean? Like, how can you help explain the sheet world first? And then we'll get into like more betting. But like, how do how should we think about the right sheets for us? Sure. So you're absolutely right. There are a ton of different words and terms and numbers and all sorts of things that you hear and see when you're buying these products. Most of them are actually marketing gimmicks. So things like thread count don't actually equate to quality. When I started this process very early on, I learned that with thread count, anything over 400 is a result of manipulation of the fabric. So they're doing double ply or triple ply to get these higher numbers. Um, in result, as a result, they actually become thicker and coarser to the touch, which then requires things like synthetic materials and chemicals to coat the products. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of confusing things here and there's really no regulation. So no one is monitoring which companies are saying, oh, they're 400 or 800 or 1200 thread count. Um, and a lot of brands use these numbers to kind of inflate the price. Yeah, there's not like an FDA of thread counts. No, there's like if no I, FDA if I started, of sheets. If I started Brit's betting company, um, don't worry, I'll try not to compete with you too much. Um, and I said I want to make 1,000 thread count sheets. I could just like slap a label on that and make my sheets kind of thick, and and people yes, would buy it. And funny enough, as you probably can imagine, early on when I was first talking to investors and let them know that I was going to actually not talk about thread count at all, um, investors would say, you know, but why not say 10,000 thread count? And I, you know, would just be like, well, because that's actually <laughs> kind of dishonest, actually. Yeah. But I, there are people um, but out there that probably do that. They were like, well, then people will think it's like super good quality. And I'm like, well, it doesn't actually work that way. So what yeah. we do at Parachute is we really work with the finest fibers and fabrics and there's no toxic chemicals and everything's designed to get better and better with use. So, um, but you're right. It's like, it's so wild. Um, I call it the wild, wild west. Yeah, that's insane. It's just and out there. What about fabrics though? So like um, microfiber, jersey, cotton, Egyptian cotton, silk. I'm just going by memory of all the things I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. Percal, what's, I don't know what percal is. It sounds fancy. Yeah. So there's <laughs> different fabrics. A lot of them use similar um similar fibers. Um, it's just the weaving process that makes them different, like have the different hand feels. So for kale and sateen, for example, are they use the exact same type of cotton to make those products. It's just a different weave that gives the different hand feel. So for kale is more cool to the touch. It's a little bit crisp. It's one of my favorite fabrics, but sateen is a little bit more soft and lustrous and um, has that natural sheen. 
Things like jersey and bamboo are oftentimes made with synthetics. So we don't actually carry those products because we stay away from anything that's synthetic, but they can be very soft and people do enjoy sleeping with them. That's, you know, kind of where we have focused our efforts. Linen is an entirely different fabric, but super breathable and has that really cool organic natural look. And we have worked with our manufacturers to introduce new fabrics like a brushed cotton or a brushed sateen um, and things that are new to the market. What's brushed? What does brushed mean? So brushed is part of the manufacturing process that makes something extra soft. It's kind of like a garment wash, like with denim, like there's different wash um, processes that. Oh, like when you get like the really soft jeans that are already broken in. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So we can do this, you know, we do different wash techniques with our products too. Um, and you know, we have a lot of fun with our manufacturers. They're always looking for innovative, um, ways that we can bring new types of fabrics to market. And they know that we get excited about that. So it's fun to, to develop new things with them. Okay. Nerdy fabric question. Um, there are fabric innovations out there. Like I remember, (laughs) I think Lululemon, what was their like silverescent? There's like some sort of silver fabric that they created that, they claimed like helped wick away sweat so you could rewear things and it wouldn't be smelly. Um, but like, how does fabric get invented like this? Is this like a, a thing that happens a lot or like once every 10 years, there's like a new breakthrough in fabric innovation? Yeah. I mean, so there's been a lot more fabric innovation, I would say in fashion. Um, and there's actually some interesting things that we've heard about, um, with heat. So like like different really thin fibers that can be woven into fabrics. So like things like for sleeping bags, or even um, we heard about it being used in hospital settings with hospital blankets to have like heated, naturally heated hospital blankets. So as you can imagine, it's it's not just every day that we're seeing innovations, but a lot of the things that we've done have like, like I said, have been more with like wash techniques or different weaving styles, um, a little bit less scientific, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you know, you could take the like uh, Lululemon innovation with like their silver threaded fabric. And then that way, if you're a sweaty sleeper, <laughs> like, you know, my husband, um, you could <laughs> or my children, my little boys are like so sweaty. Um, you could just, you know, continue to have like good smelling sheets. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's not, it's not a bad idea. And, um, I hear about lots of sweaty husbands from, um, <laughs> from friends and, uh, and is that customers. a common question? So, People definitely. that sweat in their sheets? Yeah. yeah well, so you know, you like them? my like linen, my husband's pillowcases are destroyed. Like why it happened so fast. I mean, some of the stuff we can't control and men just tend to be more sweaty. But yeah, no, I percale actually I think is is one of the better fabrics for for sweaty and naturally um warm people is what we like to say. So it's a little naturally bit less warm gross. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and and if anyone's listening, I mean, we did do an episode last year in the first season of Teach Me Something New with the founders of the Chili Pad, which um, they create like a heated or cooling pad you can put on top of your mattress oh, cool. to cool you down. So like one partner on one side of the bed can have the cold on, aka my husband. I can have the like heat on because I like to be warm and snuggly. And, and then we're like happy people that can 
that can maybe cuddle during the night. (laughs) Which is so important, by the way. It's like we're sleeping in the same bed, but we have completely different preferences. What do you do there? It's a real problem for many people. So such a real problem. Oh my gosh. So, so then, um, anything else we should know about like reading bedding labels, um, even outside of sheets, like what about like comforters or, um, quilts or down, you know, duvets, et cetera. Like what else do we need to know about buying great bedding? One of my, the biggest tips that I often tell people to look for is things like wrinkle resistant. You really want to avoid things like that. They're often, they use formaldehyde to get things wrinkle resistant, which is pretty gross. And that's the same in all clothes too. Yeah. Wrinkle resistant is often, they use formaldehyde to create that wrinkle resistant effect. So just in general, you want to avoid anything that is wrinkle resistant. I mean, a lot of people ask us how to avoid having wrinkly sheets. And there are natural ways that you can do that, like simply taking your sheets out of the dryer when they're like just the slightest bit damp and using your hands to, yeah, I mean, (laughs) most people are, you have to be really conscious about these things. There's a small window of that, like perfect time to take it out of the dryer. Yeah. But you know, there's, there are ways to avoid it, especially, you know, without having to break out the steamer every time you want your bed to look Perfectly Do you lonely. iron your bed sheets? Is this the thing? I don't, but you know, it is incredible. I have slept in many an ironed bed and there is something absolutely magical about a perfectly steamed bed. Um, okay. So if I level. had all the time in the world and all the money in the world, what would I do to make my bed like the most epic <laughs> bed to crawl into to fall asleep? Well, you'd have someone that definitely is steaming them. Um, I actually... I'm, steaming, I'm not gonna, ironing? I think steaming <laughs> does just as good a job. Yeah, you got to just press out all of the wrinkles. And there's something about that process that just like it returns, like th- that kind of heat helps return the fabric to like the softest, most beautiful form. Um, oh. I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, But that's a really good question. I mean, I think like if I was really going to spend all the money in the world, I mean, the mattress is an amazing place to start, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and mattress also is one of those things that can really make people sleep more warm at night because a lot of things like latex, um, they're not very breathable. And so, you know, Parachute has a mattress. We use New Zealand wool in our mattress, which is actually wool sounds hot, but it's one of the most temperature regulating fibers. And so it's actually really breathable. Um, but you got to start with a great mattress and definitely a great pillows. I mean, those are really the foundations for sleep, in my opinion. Um, they make such a difference and they're often afterthoughts. People just buy whatever pillows are accessible or they just, you know, pick whatever's cheapest. And it's incredible what a really supportive pillow or, you know, to whatever sleep style you have um, or you prefer. It's amazing what it can do for, for the quality of your sleep. Oh my God, I so agree. And I think, by the way, like, to your point on people like skimping out on buying good sleep gear. <laughs> it's like it's like people would rather buy like awesome like workout shoes or, you know, maybe a great computer that helps them work, which are all like great buys. But like you literally spend one third of your life in your bed and sleep is like the most fundamental thing you can do for your health, uh, both preventative and restorative health. Exactly. So like wouldn't it be the like number one category you're spending your money on and like just perfecting your sleep, which would just help you be better at work, help you, you know, with that fitness yeah. you know, exercise routine you have in mind, like way more important than the shoes. 
Absolutely. I mean, you're speaking my language. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, we we hear all the time people that are like, wow, I never really put this much focus or emphasis on creating a great, you know, bedroom experience. And this has changed my life. You know, it really, and that's what my whole, the whole vision of Parachute, you know, and why we started with Sheets was because I felt like if I could create this better sleep experience, you know, that's a really incredible relationship to build with your customer and it would help us build that trust that would allow us to move into other rooms within the home which we've now done when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What else will add to your sleep experience besides your your mattress pillows and bedding? Like, what about things like um, darkness, plants, uh, the air conditioning in your room? Like, what, yes. what are other things that we can optimize? So I like sleeping cool. Um, I think, you know, 68 to 72 is what people recommend in terms of the temperature that you want to have um, your your room set for, for best sleep. Um, I'm also a huge fan of plants. The more, the better. I think that that freshness is just so important. Um, it's also good for the air quality and I am absolutely on team blackout, but I like to have some natural light, um, that like comes through in the morning. Um, so whether Mm -hmm. that means my husband is the first one usually out of bed, if he opens it so that as I'm waking up, you know, we've got some light coming in. Um, but I do like it dark at night. So it's, you know. It's one of those things you kind of have to You're usually. You're a hybrid person. I know. Well, I aspire. I was I was listening to an Oprah podcast recently, and she was interviewing this woman named Martha Beck. Um, and they're both, re- you know, I mean, Oprah's not retired, but basically retired, right? Like they're, you know, they're not mo- young moms like me, basically. <laughs> but they were talking, and they were saying, you know, what the dream is? The dream is not, you know just having like money to travel the world or, you know, being retired or like having free time. But the dream like is to be able to fall asleep when you want to fall asleep and wake up when you want, when your body naturally wants to wake up and then decide what to do with your day. And I was like, huh, that sounds so nice. Yep. And this idea that like your natural rhythms of your sleep could just be instructed by your body to tell you when you want to fall asleep and when you want to wake up. And, and I thought that was such a beautiful thing. And I was like, this is my new life, life goal. Like life goal. I don't care if I retire, I'm actually really enjoy working, but I would like to live a life where I can just wake up when my body wants to. And I think, you know, back to like darkness and light, like your body really likes to align to when it gets dark and when it gets light. And I'm like you, I like waking up with a sunrise or, you know, waking up to daylight um it helps me just like become more awake more quickly but i also need that pitch black 
darkness. So I feel like we have a new invention idea for your company, which is like a new type of blackout shade (laughs) that like slowly opens up during the night or something. I don't know. There are some really great alarm clocks that actually have this kind of natural light that, um, that turns on that's kind of like a sunrise light. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like there's the hatch, um, has a, has a model that does that. Um, which is cool. I haven't tried it, but I like the idea. But yeah, it's um, it would it sounds like the most luxurious thing to be able to wake up when your body's ready. <laughs> uh, it's what crazy a concept. that like I know like we've just been like culturally instilled to like wake up, work out, go to work, duh, 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 like one thing yep. after the other, and and um, yeah. So that'll maybe that'll be a give it a week challenge. <laughs> for me for this next year. Um, What about bedroom feng shui? I've heard a lot about this. Like, should your bed be pointing towards the window? Should, you know, you angle things differently in your room? Like, do you have a philosophy about how to create positive energy in your your room and in your house in general? So my whole perspective on this is that your bedroom is about sleep. It's about your bed and that should be the focal point. Um, It should be you know, that the, the purpose of this space. And I like to talk about like purposeful living and creating purposeful spaces is sleep. It's all about the bed. Um, and so in my opinion, that should be the focal point. Um, I like having my feet facing the door. Um, I had this experience where I put my bed in the space in the room that would give me as much force space as possible. And I realized that I like wasn't sleeping well. It just felt it didn't feel right. And so I moved it to the center and this was years ago and I like couldn't believe what an improvement it was in the space. It just felt better. Um, and some of those things, you know, are like so intangible. Um, you can't put your finger on it, but this was like a perfect example about just making the room be all about what the purpose of the room is. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so that's, that's my, my two cents on it. I do think it's important to kind of Think about how you're using the space and then create everything so that it supports that use. So make it all about the bed. What about a messy bedroom? It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me at all. That's the kind of thing that gives me anxiety and does like make it harder for me to fall asleep. I need things put away. I like my space to be clean. I usually stick to pretty neutral colors in the bedroom, which doesn't mean no color at all, but I just like things to feel very serene and calm and relaxing because that's my vibe. I also am on team no TV in the bedroom. Um, I know that is... uh, (laughs) It's so hard for me. It's so hard for me. um, That can be very um, challenging, but yeah, I'm, that's, that's... That's where I land. Um, we haven't had a TV in our room for a very long time, and um, I think my husband would prefer one, but it's it's our We're bedroom. like the couple that constantly is like, okay, put the kids to bed. It's 9, 9.30, get ready for bed. Okay, now it's 10. Okay, one hour of Netflix, one hour of shows, like one hour of something, you know, and just like turn it on, and then usually I'm the one that conks out like in – five minutes and I fall asleep. I never like yeah. watch a complete movie anymore these days. Um, oh gosh, me either. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's a hard habit to break. We're the same. I just make it happen on the couch and then we have to go upstairs and go to bed. I hate <laughs> that. No, see, that's the problem with not having the TV <laughs> in the bedroom. That interrupts your sleep. Whereas I can just fall asleep immediately and get my deep sleep in for those first two hours. I have had 
some sleep interrupted recently where I like completely passed out on the couch and then could not fall asleep in the bedroom. And um, it made me think twice, but I'm sticking to my no TV in the bedroom. <laughs> what about um, tips for making a small bedroom feel bigger? We get this question a lot at Britain Co. too. Sure. I mean, I think... It's, it really comes back to thinking about what you need in the space. Um, there's a lot of people think that bigger furniture in smaller space will actually make a room feel smaller. That's definitely not the case. But I would just say that stick to um, the essentials. So whether that's, you know, a bed, bedside tables and a dresser or a bed, bedside tables, and then add a mirror, which will always make a space look bigger. Um, there's also paint colors that you can use to um, create bigger space Um lighter colors, but, you know, not always. I mean, I think there's some darker colors that can also with different types of furniture can make a space feel bigger, but, um, you want to lean on things like windows and light and mirrors and, um, just things that kind of brighten up and, and create the illusion, um, of more space when you don't have it, but, um, your bedroom doesn't, you don't need a lot. So I would say, you know, focus on having the essentials and, um, and having them be, you know, having just making it work. Yeah. My other small space <laughs> hack is curtains. Um, so like a lot of yeah. people hang their curtains to like just fit their window or just right above the like windowsill top. But like instead, if you if you position them like six inches from the ceiling, your eye gets drawn upward to make the room feel longer vertically. And then also longer, longer curtains makes the room feel longer as well. So there you go. I have a very important question, which is, do you know about the nap dress? Because all of my girlfriends are talking about the nap dress. And this is like a new thing as of two weeks ago for me. What are your thoughts? I do know about the nap dress. Um, I think it's great. I am all about lounge and comfortable clothing that is elevated, that can take you from cozy in the bedroom to brunch around the block with your dog, whatever it takes. I am a big fan of that. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what a nap dress is, it's basically like a reimagined nightgown that is a dress you could sleep in or go out to like dinner in. And it's just kind of loose and comfortable. And like a lot of brands are just taking this lingo and making nap dresses now. So you can just Google nap dress. Yeah, I, th I think it's great. <laughs> so um, what about color pairings? You talked about light colors versus dark colors. Um I'm really afraid to ever paint a room like a dark blue or dark or like black. And I just feel like I would feel depressed and sad in those rooms. But, you know, is that something that you would encourage people to do in their home? I love a dark moody space. Um, when I think about color matching, I usually, I mean, I like to have consistency from room to room. I think it's important that your home tell a story, that it feels cohesive, that as you're exploring the space, there's some sort of through line. That doesn't mean that rooms can't have different personalities. They absolutely can. But when I think about color, I like to have some sort of foundational colors that maybe appear throughout the house so that there is that consistency. And then you can add different pops of color um, in different ways. But I like to think about like families of colors. So whether that's like a sunset palette and so different kind of rosy colors and oranges or things that, you know, you would see in, in a sunset hue um, or there's like cooler colors, which are like blues and grays. And I think they often are very complementary of one another. So I would stick to 
like this is kind of just like an easy way to experiment with colors is if you stick with these different families and color stories that naturally go together. Um, but I think color is a great place to have fun. Um, you know, I have been known to love neutrals, you know, parachute is definitely on the more neutral side of things, but we've been introducing a lot of color lately and people are loving it and I'm loving it. Like, I just think it's fun. It's, it gives you personality. And I think that, you know, people, people have fun when they are in colorful spaces and why not make that a part of your life at home? <laughs> well, and I think I kind of take that to the extreme. Oftentimes, <laughs> I'm in a room. It's so funny that you say you're into neutrals. I'm like, I hate beige. The beige is the worst <laughs> color ever. I hate, you know, bleh, like all the neutrals. Like I just want rainbows everywhere. Color pops, patterns. I'm wearing like a multicolored sweater as we're interviewing this. Ariel's wearing like a white shirt with a white background. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I I do feel like I take it a little bit too far sometimes, but I'm just you know I'm no just living no my, I don't live in my can. reality. Honestly, <laughs> okay, I okay. think eclectic spaces they tell a story. They're unique, and your home should be personal. Like your spaces should be an extension of who you are, and you got to do what feels best. I mean, I know there was the millennial pink movement and that was a big thing. Um, right now I've noticed there's a trend called cottage core. Have you seen this? Oh trend? yes. Like I have heard of cottage of like, core. <laughs> yeah. Gingham and like paisley and like, like vintagey cottage vibes. <laughs> I'm like, where does this yep. stuff come from? Because we've been like holed up in our houses. We're like little house on the prairie now and want to go like way back 200 <laughs> years. I don't know. That's funny. I don't know. Cottage yeah. core is a thing. Um, and I think pink is out, you know, now I think it's like more, I want to say green. Like what's the Pantone color of the year? Greens and like, we've had a lot of popular with this like ochre color, which has been, you know, it's like kind What's of an ochre? orangey, it's like an orangey rust color. Um, oh. it's been very popular. Um, Interesting. people are loving it for everything, for towels, for sheets, for robes. Um, I think you're right that the millennial pink is Maybe that's what started this whole millennial moment, and now we've evolved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Uh, I couldn't take any more millennial pink. It was cool for a little bit. Um, okay, so so if someone doesn't have like a home decor aesthetic, how would you recommend they cultivate one? Like, Are there styles that look good in every home? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different like styles, like there's mid-century modern or modern farmhouse or more like traditional, like there's different looks. And I think if you're just getting started kind of exploring those different looks to see if one really, you know, feels right or is like a style that you want to explore. But then I say that like you have to just interject some personality into it, like having too much of one thing um, can just end up getting a little bit boring, for lack of a better word. Um, like, you know, go modern farmhouse, but then interject some like cool vintage mid-century modern piece, like, you know, just create, like it doesn't, you don't have to do one look and stick with it. I've definitely started to really, um, enjoy homes and spaces that feel more eclectic. And I think like always incorporating some vintage into your space is really nice. It tells a story. It gives some more personality, um, you know, kind of being comfortable mixing and matching and trying new things. And if it's something, if you see something that you like, buy it and you'll find a place for it. Like if there's something <laughs> that really calls to you, that's generally my rule of thumb. It sometimes backfires, but I feel like most of the time it works. Yeah. Most of the time I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm really happy that I've, I've made that purchase. I'm going to tell my husband that you you gave me permission to just do Great. that. Uh, <laughs> 
because I feel like I do this a lot in, in especially in the fashion world where I'm like, ooh, this dress. I definitely need this dress. You know, need it's it. calling yeah. me. Uh, need, need, need. And then I wear it two times and it's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but I guess that's the thing with furniture is like you probably actually use it um, instead of just putting it in a closet. So that's it's better. Where do you look for your design inspiration? Um, I find a lot of inspiration outside, to be honest. I find myself being inspired and finding color palettes like in nature, um, whether it's on a hike or around the neighborhood or when I'm like taking a walk on the beach. Um, I'm, I'm always taking pictures of colors that I see in the wild and um, finding myself gravitating to different textures as well, like, you know, um, whether it's a bunch of pebbles or stones, like seeing the way that different textures and different colors look together. Um, I'm very inspired by the outdoors, but then I'm also inspired by, you know, a bowl of spaghetti and the way that, you know, the reds and <laughs> like look together. I mean, I think looking for inspiration out of the traditional places to find inspiration is really fun. And always just having your eyes kind of open to something that appeals to you, um, is a great way to, to be, you know, kind of forward thinking in terms of the way you approach design. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I lo- I'm an outdoorsy nature person too. I think there's so much nature can teach us about the world and just the, I love the quote around like, um, nature doesn't hurry and yet it still accomplishes all it needs. <laughs> it's like yeah. literally like a plant, just a tree just like grows on its pace throughout its life and still becomes like a giant tree that like bears leaves and like takes in rain and like all these things. So I think it's a good life analogy. You know, we always like to leave our listeners with a piece of homework for the week. What is something you would suggest they try um, in terms of their home or their bedding for this week? My one piece of homework would be to take inventory of your pillows See if they um, are serving you. Maybe even throw them in the wash. A lot of pillows can be washed in the machine, um, which is a fun fact. But I would, um, I would, I would take a look at your pillows because you know it might be time for a refresh. Um, there's also different types of pillows, like side sleeper and different things that can help for specific sleep preferences. But t- do a pillow inventory this week and see see if yours are are serving you. What, how long should you have a pillow for? How do you know if they're not serving you? Um, I think you can get pillows every like year and a half, two years. I mean, it really depends. I'm a, I like to refresh. That's the thing, part of my bed that I actually refresh the most, my pillowcases and my pillows. Um, you're using them in a way that's different than the rest of your products and, um, your pillowcases often are the first to get discoloration because of the oils in your hair and your skin Um, so I like to, that's the one place that I find that if I actually get new pillowcases or get new pillows, my entire bed and bedroom feels like brand new. So, yeah. And I think most people are totally guilty of keeping a pillow around for like five to 10 years plus. I know that like, I'll go back home to my parents' house or something. And then like, literally this is the pillow I had when I was like 12. Why is it still in this house? Like, please get rid of it. I mean, I think I think you're looking at like a three year max would be my recommendation. Okay, three year max. 
All right, you guys. If you've got those pillows around for more than three years, you got to <laughs> toss them. That is your homework for the week. I think that's really good homework. Get rid of those pillows, you guys. Get new pillows. Ariel, this has been so wonderful. Where can we find you if we want to learn more about you and what you're doing with Parachute? Sure. Um, I am A-R-I-E-L-K-A-Y-E, all over the internet. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to Teach Me Something New anywhere you get your podcast. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit and Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Allie Ives and Allie Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjazy and Aaron Peterson.